Are you an overwhelmed entrepreneur with endless tasks, emails, and messages? Do you feel your systems are ineffective or you don't have any at all? I get it. You wish you could come up for air and take that well-deserved vacation you've been dreaming of, all without sacrificing the growth or health of your business. I'm hosting a webinar to introduce concepts that you can use to learn more about how to clockwork your business for operational efficiency. The best part? The webinar is at no cost to you. It will be held May 14th at 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern, and a recording will be available for those who can't attend live. If you are ready to make a change in your business so you can take a real vacation, go to bit.ly forward slash May 2024 CFF to enroll. That's bit.ly forward slash May 2024CFF. I can't wait to see you there. Welcome to Biz Hope for You with host Candy Messer. Entrepreneurs like to focus on the big picture, like profitability, success, and a smooth running organization. There always seems to be those little things like taxes, employee compensation, laws, regulations, and more. Now, you can get the answers you need in one place. Join us today as we break it all down for you. Now, here's your host, Candy Messer. Hello and welcome to BizHelp for You with Candy Messer. Thank you for joining us today. I hope you found the information on last week's show, branding that will get you customers quickly, easily, and affordably informative. If you're unable to join us and would like to listen to the show, links can be located on our YouTube and Facebook pages, as well as links for iTunes, TuneIn, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and Spotify. If there are topics you'd find beneficials or questions you have, please feel free to reach out to me at media at abandp.com. Now let's learn a little bit about our guest today. A natural born industry leader, best-selling author and CEO of the Tyson Group, Lance Tyson is an authority in the sales world with a passion for developing influential business leaders. Lance has worked with some of the biggest names in sports and entertainment, including the New York Yankees and the Dallas Cowboys. So Lance, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Candy. I appreciate it. I'm glad that you could join us. I gave you a very tiny little bit about your history. So I would love for you just to share a little bit more about your entrepreneurial journey and what led you to where you are today. No, certainly. I, I appreciate you asking. I, one of the incantations I do all the time is, is, talk, is I do incantations about being an entrepreneur because it's important to me. So um, my journey actually to, to make a long story, I'm short. Like I, I started, I got out of college, um, literally quit with 12 credits left to start a business. It was right around when um, my mom wasn't too happy, but um, um, to start, it was right when the, the Berlin wall was coming down and I wanted to oh. I get passionate about this import export business. And I met with a um, professor at um, university of Pennsylvania Wharton school and he coached me and I, I formed this company called the Lancet group. Imagine that. Mm-hmm. And I, um, I started a business on helping companies import and export uh, over to Eastern Europe. And, uh, I did so well at it that I didn't, uh, I didn't get any customers, but one of the people I was calling on, 
uh, offered offered me a job. So I got in my first sales job there. And then from there, I, I'd worked uh, and then uh, it was a um, kind of like the filtration business industry. And I don't, I can't tell you anything about filtration today other than that uh, water maybe flows downhill. And uh, from there, I, um, I decided that I wanted to, like, I was really passionate about learning and personal development. And, and I started to seek jobs with like Anthony Robbins and mm. Stephen Covey at the time. And, and I read Dale Carnegie's book. And then I went to work for the Dale Carnegie organization and, in 1995. And from there, um, stayed there for multiple years, almost, almost 15 and uh, they own, they have what you call sponsorships or franchises. And by the time I was done in 2010, before we sold them, we were their largest uh, owner of their franchises or what you called sponsorships at the time, most of the Midwest. And in that time, I also invested a lot in real estate. So I had a real estate management business. And, and in 2010, we had kind of broken off and formed a company called Prospects. And Prospects ultimately turned into Tyson Group. So we had a call center, which did lead gen. And we did a lot of training, um, which has kind of been my passion, consulting, coaching, and training. Nice. So we're going to talk, obviously, about selling today and virtual selling and being in the digital market, you know, so I would love for you to talk about the importance of actually sales coaching, especially now during these times of uncertainty. Well, you know, um, if you look right now, I was just on with my marketing team earlier with my CMO and and some of her staff and, and uh we were looking at the word sales coaching and it's, it's searched almost 15,000 times a month on Google. So wow. I, I, um, you can usually tell uh, the word prospecting is, is actually searched 81,000 times a month. So um, you can tell those two concepts are negotiations also highly searched. We, we did some research this morning and what's happening is, is people are struggling right now. And mm-hmm. uh, you know, you and I said it in the kind of the pregame interview that, you know, some businesses are shut down, some are struggling. Um, I've, I've used the analogy with some companies. It's like, you're, you're like hunting in winter. And I don't know yeah. if you've ever watched any of those shows like lost in the Arctic circle, but you know, it's, I'm not a hunter or a fisherman, but I would assume it's a hell of a lot harder to, to hunt in the winter than it is in the spring. Right. So mm-hmm. it's, it's less targets and things like that. And a lot of organizations are, are dealing with that right now. And I think the big thing is if you use the analogy um, and we use with a lot of our clients, if you think of Maslow's hierarchy of needs, we, we have a tendency to kind of lean toward that philosophy because it's more of a positive psychology. The two base baseline of uh, Maslow's pyramid say survival and security are pretty important. And you can turn that corporately also. Some companies are how they're trying to do business now. They're trying to survive or trying to you know, be secure. And mm-hmm. a lot of, a lot of buyers are behaving very conservatively. So they're not spending a lot of money. They're holding tighter. So sales coaching is, is definitely in play. Um, mm-hmm. We're trying to learn how to do things. I think that probably the best example off of that is we, uh, we had a pharmaceutical, a very big pharmaceutical reach out to us and they said, um, we need help and we got your name and they need help with prospecting. I go, you need help prospecting. I said, hmm selling drugs. I mean, pharmaceuticals, what a great job. Don't you guys just show up with donuts and coffee? And <laughs> and they go, well, we used to do that. But the problem is now with all these protocols and all the telemedicine, we mm. can't even get in the door anymore. We have never hired people to do that. We hired people just to be in front of the dock and pitch the drugs. And I said, man, that makes sense. And we had to really work out with them like a prospecting philosophy because now they have to hunt, which before 
Mm-hmm. They had the cachet or credibility just kind of walk in the door, right? So, Right. Well, that makes sense. Although I guess I always think of the fact that if, in that case, if they have that customer and they know about the product, they're going to buy it again. But I guess they're looking for maybe newer, you know, you know, newer doctors that are starting or something like that, maybe. Huh? Well, yeah, and you got that, but you got to you remember too, and I, you know, and until you really like dive into an industry, it's how much you really know about it. Mm-hmm. It's like, it's, if you think about the vaccines right now, you know, right. Pfizer has a drug, everybody has a version of the vaccine. And, and I mm-hmm. think that probably happens like with heart medicine or diabetes. Probably. So like mm-hmm. you're probably, you're like a baby doctor. Like do, do you give, do you offer Similac or Isomil mm-hmm. or go mm-hmm. natural, right? Like they're all the, or carnation, right? So they're all, all like competition. Right. Understood. So, so again, talking about the virtual selling and everything now too, because of where we are with, you know, having to stay home or, you know, people are not able to actually be in retail or restaurants or any of that. What are some of the tips that you would recommend for virtual selling, selling on this digital platform? You know, I, I think it's, it's a couple things. Good news is for anybody is, um, uh, number one, it's uh, people are on it. My mom can get on a Zoom call and she's 74, right? <laughs> so uh, that is, that's the good news. Um, two, it's also helped, and in, in, I'm not trying to spin it positive. I think you're to look at both sides. The <laughs> other thing is a lot of people welcome you into their home now. Mm. I mean, so you're virtual selling. You got to be agile. Uh, you have guest appearances. I um, I swear when we first opened this up and all my kids were home, I got some older sons, some in, some in college and, and high school, the amount of F-bombs that were getting dropped mm-hmm. coming down the steps after they were playing a game of uh, Call of Duty or Fortnite. I was like, oh, well, well, like I had a, you know, so you got all kinds of interruptions going on. So like right. you got to kind of think of that. So good news is people are on it. People are doing it. The bad news is we're starting to develop some habits. Like a lot of the coaching that we're doing right now with selling virtually is how to facilitate. For instance, um, I, I was on with one of my salespeople on a, on a call with some executives and um, with a, I think it was a casino um, and we're talking to them and they're open back up for business and they're, you know, they're selling their F and B space. And, um, and so we're on and my salesperson said, Hey, since this is a first call, can we get everybody on camera? Mm-hmm. Now it was awkward, mm-hmm. but it was the right thing to do. Why, why even be on it if we're not going to be on camera? So, you know, I'd prefer to be face to face with people, right. but I think this is better than the phone. So I think mm-hmm. it's little things like that. Like the, the, you know, if you're selling virtually, it's how you sell virtually. The cool thing about selling virtually too, is you can bring content into the conversation very quick. Mm-hmm. I can very quickly screen share and it wouldn't matter if I was on Microsoft Teams or Ring or, or Zoom, whatever it is, I can really interject content. And so, but going back, Candy, to the, to the fact, if you can't facilitate well and you're mm-hmm. awkward that way, you know, there, there are things that, that you have to struggle. It's, it, it's going to take some practice to do it well, if not, you're going to get sloppy. Right. That's what I was thinking while you're talking is they might want to do a run through with you know, a friend or a family member or something just to get comfortable with that too. And understanding the technology, how to screen share. I know I've been on that before where someone's going to do something. They're like, wait, I can't find out what's happening. What happened here? Why don't you know? And it's like, we're all like understanding too. I think we all realize this is new for a lot of people. And so we're understanding on that, but I think at the same time, it is good for people to really try to go through and get things kind of worked out a little bit. So they know, 
kind of what they're doing and they're more comfortable. They're not nervous too, because that will probably come across as well if, if they're nervous because they're scared of the technology. No, agreed. And, and, and get used to the technology. But, but I will say a lot of your co- potential customers are, a lot of people are FaceTiming now that's up. And so, so it's, I, I think the big thing is, so it looks like, and that's why the opportune word is it's, there's one thing to sell on technology. Mm-hmm. Another thing is, it, I think the harder thing I think salespeople forget is, is how to facilitate the conversation mm-hmm. because that, that's the first move through the gate. If you can't facilitate the conversation, you're going to struggle. And, right. and it's, especially like if you look at some, some, um, some businesses, you have multiple people on there. You get to really contain and control the call at some level. And if you're not right. facilitating, it gets out of control. That's very true too. I think one of the difficulties of not being able to be in person though, too, is sometimes you can't see all the body language or, you know, you're trying to have eye contact, but sometimes, like I said, especially if there's more than one person on the call, if you're looking at, you think you're looking at the person, but then it doesn't look like you're looking at them because, you know, your camera's in one place, but you're looking down, you know, you don't have that eye contact. Um, so I that think that literally just happened to me. I was facilitating training and, um, one of the decision makers was looking off to the side like this. <laughs> and, and I said, Hey, look, you know, him and I talk later. And he, he actually brought up that he goes, I have two different um, uh, screens two monitors. Mm-hmm. and the one monitor is the one, the camera's here, but I can see the content on the other one. I go, Oh, I said, FYI, it's good customer. I said, you might want to let people know that because it looks like right. you're, you're not engaged. The other thing, like you said, I mean, I could be watching reruns of The Office right now. You can't, you can't tell if I'm looking at you or not, right? right? So I think the hard part for any business owner, any any decision maker, any salesperson, you have to get good at asking questions that solicit people's opinions that bring it back. It's kind of like when you meditate, like I, I get on these meditation apps and they're like, okay, if your mind's drifting, bring, bring it back to the purpose of why you're here. And I'm like, yeah, I've been drifting for five minutes here. It's like, you know, you got to you gotta bring people back a little bit. So mm-hmm. I think that's another big thing. Well, and I know a little while ago you mentioned, you know, being able to be agile. So what can sales leaders and their teams do to learn how to think on the fly and get creative during these times? Well, I think one of the things definitely is, is like you mentioned, kind of that practice. As a matter of fact, I, I think I mentioned to you as before we start to record, I was literally on a coaching call with my VP of business development, one of her people, and then my um, my VP of, of training who trains our, she's one of the people who train our customers and we're working with one of our newest people. And that's exactly what we were doing, like teach, working with him on being agile. Right. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, opening up a call, like, you know, you know, what do you, you know, what got you to take the call today? Like really soliciting answers to a buyer, um, bridging and then asking questions and forcing it back. And, and, and really I, I discovered in the, in the, in the training with him that he didn't know the purposes of some of the slides he was using. I was like, what's the purpose mm. of the slide? What are you going to do with it? And really had to work on that because if he's in a mode where he over illustrates, he's getting caught down rabbit holes. So it's, it's, it's these, the way to be agile is, is, is really kind of know why you're doing something first. Like, Hey, what's the purpose of the slide? What are you trying to accomplish? Like the one slide you're working on. So this slide is, is establishing you as an authority. What are you trying to get them to do? 
and he went around in circles. I said, no, you're just trying to get them to acknowledge which one of these things are things are important to him. So you get the next slide. So if you don't know the purpose of what you're doing and you're kind of winging it, you're, you're going to really struggle. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think as you're talking to, I was thinking, you know, a lot of times if someone has a presentation, they have, you know, slide one, slide two, slide three, and this is the information you have to present. But maybe when you're talking to someone, you hear something that maybe requires a bit of a change. So how can you coach people to maybe be more flexible while they're in the midst of that selling conversation? And if they, you know, realize someone said something that maybe I need to change how I'm presenting that, how would they do that? All right. I, I put hit mute on my, my microphone. So I try to, I'm very conscious of sounds. <laughs> like we're just talking about how to behave on some of these calls. Just be conscious. Right. So um, I think the big thing with that is, and is soliciting opinion. So we were working with the Phoenix Suns recently and they, um, you know, right now nobody's gone to basketball games. The hope is, they're going to be going to basketball games in the, in the near future, maybe, you know, next September or whatever, when it starts to open up and they've just invested a ton of money into their, into refurbishing their stadium. So they have all these new hospitality options. So on a screen like this, they would give somebody a virtual tour, maybe, you know, with pictures of, of some of the offerings and things like that. And as we were going through the slides and coaching them as they were transitioning, they were describing everything that's on a slide. I, and I said to them, I was like, well, this is a picture and a picture is worth what? And somebody goes a thousand words. I go, right. That's exactly right. So why are you describing a picture? Why wouldn't you just kind of put the slide there that has a few words on it and say, Hey, what jumps out at you? Mm-hmm. Put pressure on the buyer. I think salespeople put too much pressure on themselves. So I think number one, um, the more you talk, the less credible you are. So pressure back on the buyer. And I think, I think, I think I find over time that two salespeople and business people sometimes are very uncomfortable with silence. The key I is, was just thinking that right? when you were talking. Yeah. So it's, so I think, I think the mantra is more, um, you just need to be, you need to be less uncomfortable than they are. It's probably mm-hmm. the way I would say that. I think the third thing is something we, it's, it's hard for people to understand. And I go back to that first point. There's this concept of evaluative questions. People like to give their opinion. So if you're seeking to give, to ask an evaluative question, they're giving their opinion on something. I think the more you do that goes back to what we talked about before is your ability to be agile because you're soliciting information from somebody you're looking for feedback. Um, I think the key is to be a, um, a thermostat, not a thermometer. Right, a thermostat mm. can take the temperature and change the conditions mm-hmm. as opposed to the other way around if I was going to use an analogy. But that's a really good analogy too, actually. I think it makes I mean, sense. It, usually, it, it, make, it does make sense, right? I mean, because that's what most of us are trying to do in any business. Like I'm looking at, um, you know, affordable bookkeeping pe- and payroll. If, if that's if that's a, um, if I were selling that, I would actually have to get somebody to tell me what's working really well in their business what's not and what would be the value of, of bringing that service on. So I'd have to develop a gap, Mm -hmm. right? So I'd have to create a condition of, is there a gap there? But I couldn't do that unless I found out a current condition Mm -hmm. and a desired condition, right? Right. That would be kind of the analogy of, of the, the thermostat versus thermometer. If I just say, Hey, what do you like or not like about what you're currently doing? That's just one move. I got to create the condition also. So. 
Right. So can you give examples of maybe some strategies that people can apply when they're selling virtually versus the, what they're used to maybe with that person to person? Yeah. I, I think number one, if you're looking at strategy is, um, you know, I, I think, I think the three big things, if I was laying the foundational strategy around, I mean, one is you're going to have to develop, develop rapport. Um, mm-hmm. It's, and it can be done virtually. You said it earlier, I'm not going to be able to read the body language and things like that. If I'm face-to-face, I can read 360. If I'm on Zoom call like this, it's more 180, right? Mm-hmm. But but if I'm on the phone, it's half of the 180, mm-hmm. right? So so this is a better median than just being on the phone, right? Because right? I, I can be way more agile. So I think it's credibility. I think, too, the second thing is that word rapport, um, I don't overuse the word relationship. I think relationship, the word relationship selling business is all about relationships. I think that's outcome based. I think it's, I don't think you do relationship. I think you build rapport and I can go through a Starbucks drive through window, um, depending on what part of the country I'm in um, right now, or go sit in a Starbucks, right? Um, I, I, I can go through that drive-through window or to that barista and, and I could have rapport with somebody very quickly. And I think if I'm selling virtually, that's going to have to be a little quicker than, than the time and space I would have if I was face to face, because I can overcome a lot of things. And I think, you know, strategy wise, that way is, you know, using people's names, getting to the point a little bit, but I'm still going to have those pleasantries. They're just going to be quicker. Right. Mm -hmm. So they would be things like, um, you know, if I got on the phone with you and if I was, if I were selling affordable bookkeeping and payroll, like, and I'm just using that because it's right up at, it's right, right, your logo is right there. So it's use what's in front of me. You know, I would, I would, if I was representing them, I might say something like, you know, Candy, I'm sure you don't have a lot of time today. How much time do you have? So if I'm, if I'm, if I'm, what, what's a universal truth? Well, two most expenses of pieces of jewelry you're ever going to buy is a ring and a watch, right? Mm. Well, and they both signify time. So if I'm conscious of your time and you're telling me here, you know, I said, Kenny, how much time do you have? And you said, well, about 30 minutes. Well, there's value in me asking that question to you. And I'm actually establishing some credibility. So things like that, you got to be really good at and pay attention to. Right. Mm -hmm. And then as I'm questioning, as I'm, as I'm operating, I want to show that I understand. Well, if I'm focused on credibility and rapport, I'm probably accomplishing some of that understanding. So I think that triangle of credibility, rapport, and understanding is probably the main strategy I would try and get across. Mm-hmm. I think as you were talking, I also was thinking about follow-up because sometimes you don't get the sale like in that first conversation, right? You know, so I'm assuming, you know, it's just as important to really be focusing on these things virtually and continuing to follow up, even if you can't necessarily see them in person, you know, do you have any tips on somebody who maybe is trying to sell something virtually, doesn't get that sale right away and, you know, what they should be doing in terms of their follow-up? You know, I, I think, I think where I see the biggest fail and we do business in a lot of different industries and we're, I'm hired a lot and some of my team members are hired a lot to be, to, to really do post-mortems and pre-call <laughs> planning. So we're working with a couple big brands right now on, on literally like naming rights and big media deals to kind of prepare for negotiations. And it never ceases to amaze me of 
most business people and salespeople don't understand artificial momentum and natural momentum. So don't know where it's going to go. So like a lot of times, like say I'm on a call with you and you go, Hey, this really sounds like this great presentation. You really did a nice job here and say you're the buyer and I'm the salesperson. I'm going as a, as a salesperson, I'm putting on my best Holden Caulfield hat, hat, the, you know, the main character or the catcher in the ride going, well, I don't need a flipping uh, grade for my presentation today. I already went to college. I was already in school. Like I'm more apt to ask you, okay, well, and I appreciate you saying that, Candy. Think, and what are some things that concern you about what I have? I, I think mm-hmm. too many times salespeople and business people look for confirmation bias, right? Mm-hmm. They're looking for the confirming things that tell the story. I don't, I don't know if anybody's watched and saw that show with Nicole Kidman and Hugh Grant called The Undoing on HBO. It's mm-hmm. it's absolutely watch it's good stuff right and it's this 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 woman had married she's a clinical psychiatrist she married somebody that's not the person she thought mm. and it ends up he he it's gonna long story short gets accused of murder and she has to kind of figure her way out of this and she asked herself to put on the stand but she's this expert and the prosecutor says is it possible can you tell the jury what uh, confirmation bias is and she said yeah and she goes, that's where you're looking for confirming factors about a circumstance or a person that you want to see what you want to see. Mm-hmm. And I think salespeople do that all the time. So mm-hmm. you say great presentation. I'm like, yes. Mm-hmm. Right. I don't say things like, you know, I appreciate that. What are some things you like about this and don't like about it? Which set up your objections and things like that. Other things that salespeople don't do a good job is they don't say, you know, Candy, what do you think the, the next logical steps are? And you'll say as the buyer, well, why don't you just follow up with me in a couple of weeks? And, and this looks really good. Follow up with me. And, and you as a salesperson, all right, well, in a couple of weeks, like what's that mean? Like mm-hmm. follow me in a couple of weeks. Well, there's 1,440 minutes in a day, 86,400 <laughs> seconds in a day. So you just want me to take one day and just kind of guess. So it might be something like if you said, why don't you follow up with me next week? I might say, you know, Candy, you're really busy. The last thing you need is, is some some salesperson following up and chasing you down? Can we pencil on the day to call you back? Whether you have an answer or not, we'll just kind of check in. So I'm not being a pain. I put the I put the benefit all back on you. I don't see salespeople doing that enough, mm-hmm. right? So I, I think they're the big big thing. It's the big things are all the little things. And I think in today's <laughs> environment, if you you know, my dad used to say, if you take care of the little things, the big things take care of themselves. Mm-hmm. I think that's true today as much as anything. Or I used to also say, um, what you lose in the bananas, you'll make up in the grapes. I still don't know what that means, but it kind of sounds like the same thing, right? <laughs> That's an interesting, I don't know if I've ever heard that statement. I know, I've never heard anybody else say it but my dad, but I swear that, I, I think he was trying to tell me that they both meant the same thing. <laughs> That's funny. I like that. Well, I know um, emotional intelligence can play a big factor in all of this too. So how can somebody really assess their own emotional intelligence or if they're leading a team that within their own team to help them in their organization, be able to do well in the selling. So, so I put, and I'm not, when I bring this up and you're listening, I'm not trying to sell you something you would know if I was trying to sell you something. Um, I, I think I, so I wrote a book, in August and just a quick read on emotional intelligence and a couple of our customers have have that topics come up and we developed a program on it. And I don't, I don't, I don't come off to be an expert in it. Um, I think your, I think your mind can be like a bad neighborhood at times. It's just not good to be in a low alone in it. Right. Mm. So 
I think emotional intelligence is how you talk to yourself and mm-hmm. how you, the way I was always taught in the research I did, it's, it's, can you in a time of stress or pressure make a decision or a good decision, right? Mm-hmm. Can you not, you know, there's a difference between react response and being proactive. And I think the lowest level a person who can't, it doesn't have good emotional intelligence or emotional quotient is very reactive. Mm. Response is a higher level of that. And then proaction is the highest level of it. So I think, I think number one, I, I last night, one of my brothers and I kind of got in a little bit of an argument and text him back and forth. I think we were both a little frustrated with each other. And one of us mentioned, Hey, why don't we just talk tomorrow? Let's give it 24 hours. Mm-hmm. Right. I learned that from coaching hockey teams. Well, I, not, not me in the beginning. One of those good, good, uh, good hockey coaches said, um, and hockey parents have spent a lot of money. So they think they're very entitled. So they think all the kids can play. And one of these hockey coaches demonstrated best. He said, you know, he goes probably right after a game, especially when you lose is not a great time to talk to me. Cause if you think you're upset about losing, take yours and multiply by 10. Mm-hmm. And second thing is, I will talk to you about your son or daughter, but I won't talk to you about anybody else's son or daughter. Mm-hmm. Right. And I was like, and he said, the last thing he said, if you have any feedback, good, bad, or ugly, especially if it's bad or ugly, wait 24 hours. See if you mm-hmm. still want to do it. Right. So I think that's probably the best advice I can get. I tell you, I will tell you though, it is very hard. And, and, at this point where we are right now, and I had, um, I put a post out on my LinkedIn the other day about EQ and, and a gal that's taken some of my programs said, Lance, in your one book, in your first book, Selling's an Away Game, you said empathy is not great for salespeople, but then you came back in EQ and you're talking about in this post how important it is. She goes, has your mind changed? And I go, no, my mind, my mind hasn't changed. Like I think, I think in a lot of selling, it's really you got to be very careful of being over empathetic because mm-hmm. it actually hurts you from doing your job. Like, like people give you some objections, you being over understanding doesn't allow you to get your job done. Mm-hmm. I said on the flip side, that doesn't mean not to have EQ or empathy. Mm-hmm. I think right now, you know, inside of, you know, the diversity conversation we're having, the economy, the split in the country with, you know, different beliefs in on top of that, a pandemic, Mm-hmm. right i think if you're not empathetic you're tone deaf right right like you have to be people are struggling out there and but there are people doing well too i think you know that's a big play especially if you're coaching salespeople. so some mm-hmm. of you, i know some of my people are struggling just like you know not being able to go to the office and stuff like that like you know mm-hmm. so it's 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 all around for sure i know those who are definitely energized by being around other people are really struggling with having to be at home right now. Oh, there, there, there's no doubt. There's no doubt. That's why I think the profile of salespeople have changed. Like a lot of our customers I've said, like, look, you, you're going to really need to like, you might have to, where you're used to having a bunch of salespeople together and uh, energy, you might have to, you know, what's it look to hire a software salesperson that might mm-hmm. be more kind of this in our business. We fortunately, we've been running virtually since 2005 um, when I figured out I wasn't a great entrepreneur and I spent too much money on um, a lot of leases for buildings. And I, when I, mm. my stupider days, when um, I, I thought, geez, growth and great economy doesn't equal making money. So mm-hmm. hyper growth not good. So we, we had to operate because of my mistakes early as an entrepreneur virtually. But, but 
I had to really, really think what are all the things we do to keep people engaged every day that mm -hmm. we do a lot of little things. Like I can't remember when my company was on like Yahoo messenger just to keep engaged, you know, during the day, just little stuff right. like that before there was a lot of these programs. So, I mean, it's, it's hard and some, you're not going to win everybody and some people are going to get in those dark days and you got to address it. Right. So if somebody is having that conversation with a buyer, what would you tell them to do in order to kind of unlock that door into that buyer's mind? No, I, I think it's, I, th I think the short answer to that is to, you know, Daniel Pink said in his book, and I think I have it behind me somewhere. Um, um, he said the cell is human, right? People buy from people. Mm -hmm. Um, there was a book written by Mark McCormick in the mid and late eighties called what they don't teach at the Harvard business school. Mm. He said, if all things weren't equal, people would buy from people they liked. If all mm -hmm. things weren't, if all things were equal, people buy from people they like, if they weren't so equal, they'd still buy from people that liked trust mm -hmm. and respect it. And I think the great art of getting along with people is if you want to unlock the buyer's mind, right. You get, you got to remember this. Um, there, there's a philosophy taught by a competitor of ours who I really respect and I've modeled um, after for years. Is there's a company called Miller Hyman that that wrote a book. They wrote a book called Strategic Selling, and in that book they always taught what's the valid business reason to move forward. I agree with that wholeheartedly. However, though, people people um, just justify things logically, but they buy emotionally. Mm -hmm. Right. So, so that human to human connect to unlock somebody's mind is very important. Sometimes it takes time. That's a likability factor. My, my first suggestion for anybody even listen to this, don't even go buy one of my books, go buy the book, how to win friends and influence people, the great art of how to deal with people. The title says it all. How do you win? Well, you first win friendships, then you influence. Mm -hmm. It's not the other way around right? It's you win a friendship, you win a rapport with somebody. I don't know if Dale Carnegie would have chose the word friendship today. He might've picked another word, right? What that meant there, but things like people's names, things like showing genuine interest in other people. Mm -hmm. And somebody said, somebody said to me the other day, like, what if I'm not genuinely interested? I said, well, freaking fake it. I mean, like what, like, like it doesn't say in that book, you actually have to like people either. I mean, there's sometimes I say to my wife, I'd love my job if I actually didn't have to deal with people. Right? People are, it's taxing, yeah. but most of us have to get results through people. And I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to give a sideways answer here, but it's really, it's the great art of deal. It's the great art of dealing with people. It's mm -hmm. a great art form, right? And our results have to come through people, but just remember people buy from people. Right. right? So it's so true. Yeah. So out of the interpersonal skills that people can have, which, if any, do you consider would be the most important? So, so if you, if you, so I go back to my training with Dale Carnegie on this one. So it says he breaks his, his interpersonal skills into three main categories, being friendlier, all right, how to be a friendlier person, then you can influence, and then you can be a leader. I think the the friend the ones about being friendly are interesting because there are things like and I, like this is my most important one right the single most important sound in any language is a person's name mm -hmm. because what that actually does is that personalizes everything that everybody has their own signature 
and and you know what's interesting about Americans is and this is I think this is distinctly American our personal brands are that important that's how we're raised as Americans like you know sometimes when you if you ever do business in Asia some some people will put the corporation before them in America we're not that way we it's individual first and I think when you acknowledge a person's name and you acknowledge who they are as an individual, I think that's really important. And then mm-hmm. if you, if you know a person's name, then you're getting genuine, become genuinely interested in them. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and then if you become genuinely interested in another principle, he talks about um, let the other person do a great deal of the talking. Right. Mm-hmm. Then, then when you start comboing those things, like I think that becomes really deep. So I would say that, that friendliness piece of, of, and it, and it's not what it's like I said, it's, do I like everybody I work with? No. Do you like everybody you work with? Mm-hmm. No. I do respect them as people though. Mm-hmm. Right? I do respect them as people. And I, th- I think the other thing is um, an interesting conversation the other day with a business, a couple of business people. And there's some boundaries we've just don't like, and I don't mean to be the old guy here. Like we, we've gotten so like, my, da- my dad taught me a long time ago, there's three things you never talk about with a person. Just don't go there. Right. Like and I had to tell one of my employees the other day, um, I said, we do business with Republicans, Democrats, independents, communists. Like, I, I, like, why go like, don't talk politics. Don't talk religion. Don't ask people how much they make. You're probably mm-hmm. better off for it because it doesn't matter at the end of the day. Right. right. Like they're just places. There's places you people go that I'm not sure why they go it go that mm-hmm. way. I'm just not, I don't understand. I said, because we, as long as it's not illegal and moral and ethical, everything's on the table with how you do business. That's, mm-hmm. that's kind of, that's my philosophy of things. And, you know, like I said, I hope I didn't offend anybody because I think the great art of influence is people. People are dynamic. And I think Cicero said, people are creatures, pe- people are creatures of emotion. Mm-hmm. Pride and anger and happiness and sadness. And we've got to take all those things into consideration. Right. And people right. behave differently off of those. It makes it hard. It mm-hmm. makes it fun. I right. think. When you were mentioning Asia too, that made me think too of the fact that, you know, now, especially with the global society we have and now virtually with Zoom and you can have calls all over the place, you know, that taking into consideration the culture of the person you're talking to probably is important as well, where maybe we're not as educated on that. I don't know if you want to touch on, you know, understanding that or how to apply what you're saying in regards yeah. to their culture too? Well, I, I think, I think, I think, well, you, you got a couple of things going on. It's a global society, right? Um, there are like, for instance, um, we coach a lot of multinational uh, corporations and, and salespeople. Like for instance, pleasantries are very North American, mm. Very North American for the whole conversation. You and I had a whole conversation before this. We don't know each other. We talked about relatives. We talked uh, pandemic. We talked about travel restrictions and everything. That's very, that's very American. It's very Canadian. Um, We get, you would offend some business people in Asia by doing that. Be very offensive to go there. It would be um, over the years, we've done a lot of business, a lot of tier two Japanese automakers, that's very offensive. Um, it's not a space you go. Um, 
Germ, Germ, Germans like to get any kind of German influence business like to get right to business. I had a friend um, um, who grew up in South Africa and if you know anything about South Africa, it's very, it's, it's very influenced by, by the, how Germans do business. And he told me, and he worked for a, um, a um, commercial insurance company, like uh, health life, stuff mm-hmm. like that. And um, he said, I never get how you Americans, you have so many personal effects in your offices. Like all oh, someone else, mm-hmm. you got like, kids blah 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 I go why don't he goes no nah, it's, it's not something that that we would do and I did some homework on it and it's, it's not non-existent but it's mm-hmm. not so you just gotta you gotta educate yourself on some of that but but I, I would say there are principles that transcend that mm-hmm. being respectful of people's time no matter where in the world you go culturally or whatever if I say Candy, how you know what's our hard stop today, or how much time do you have? You still have sixty minutes. That works everywhere because mm-hmm. everywhere, you know what I mean. Using a person's name works, right. right? Being buttoned up and maybe have an agenda and look somewhat professional works, mm-hmm. right? Um, so, so that you got to kind of think that way a little bit, and you'll make mistakes. Like you're not going to be pitch perfect at all. Like I've, I've made so many mistakes with little tiny things, like people, like botching people's names, not knowing their names, not mm-hmm. being buttoned up, and and I've seen a lot also just based off of how we coach. Mm-hmm. So. Right. So you touched on it a little bit earlier. I know you mentioned the, the books that you've written. So can you talk quickly on maybe the books you've written and what people might learn by picking those up? Now, so um, uh, I've gotten to this philosophy of publish or perish, right? So I figured, all right, I better like start getting some of this down. Um, and and I don't think I've ever written a book to, um, it doesn't make money. It's more like a four dimensional calling card with some mm. thoughts on it. Right. So, um, and enough pictures that if you don't like a lot of words, we're in good shape. So the first book I wrote, wrote was called songs in a way game. And, and essentially it's, it's play on words because it's, um, it's, it's what in a way game. It's harder to play in a way game. If you're a sports addict mm-hmm. than a home, than a home game, because you got, you know, you got the, you don't know the, the train, fans. you get the fans, right. You got to travel, all that stuff. Sales is a way game because it actually happens in the mind of the buyer. And you, gotta get, like you said earlier, you got to get the mind of the buyer to engage you. How do you, how do you find those emotional hot buttons and things like that, or get people to open up? And it lays out a a six step process that really follows the analogy of a doctor's office. If you think about it, you walk into a doctor's or dentist's office, they connect, they pre qualify you, they ask you for insurance, blah 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 blah. You go in, nurse practitioner, doc comes in, they evaluate. And remember something about a doctor's practice. It's just that it's not, it's not as much science as a mm-hmm. practice as they get it wrong. That's why they call it a practice. Right. Um, they evaluate, they diagnose you, right? You're there for a sick visit, well visit. They look at your past, they look at the future, blah, blah, blah. Then from there, they prescribe something to you. And then they, they dialogue about the prescription. They say, Candy, we're going to recommend some Tylenol with codeine here. We're recommending you don't drive or have the glass of wine after you do it, right? So, mm-hmm. um, and then they close. Most sales follow that process, right? You know, find out some things before you make a prescribe. So if you want to learn a way to sell that will be rooted in your mind and reduce mistakes and increase productivity, it's probably something you want to read. And really the Igniting Sales EQ book was really what it says, ignite it. I mean, Mm -hmm. 
it's it's I don't I don't think you're gonna walk out and say that book boy that made me perfect. It's probably gonna wake you up. It's kind of like you know with a lot of the social injustice stuff. My 16 year old son um, said to me, he goes very innocently and he's turning 16 he goes what's some of this gonna do and i said well you know i think i think for some of us it's it's gonna be maybe admitting at some level we have a problem Mm. right it's like alcoholics anonymous i I think Mm -hmm. at some level like in order to do anything about anything you gotta say hey i got an issue and the Mm -hmm. sales eq book's really about that it's just like you know maybe admit that you got some gaps with how you approach things maybe you see red maybe you haven't really thought about that so i think that's probably what you get out of that and i and i'll have a stay tuned i'll have a book that i haven't unveiled yet that will be coming out in in may so oh nice yeah well i know we have you know chatted about some of this stuff but i'm sure there's a whole lot more that we could cover but we are running out of time so yeah, i would no love doubt. for you first you know just to share if you have an offer for the listeners and then how they can connect with you yeah um i think um from an offer standpoint i would i would just recommend we have um we have some offers on our website we have a new website coming out on wednesday so if you want to jot something down and come come back to my website wednesday but tysongroup.com you'll be able to see that um we have a, a way where you can really get a little bit of an assessment on what kind of sales team you have and some areas to coach. So there's an offer on that. You go to Amazon and pick up um, or on my website and pick up either book. Um, you can follow me on LinkedIn. Um, we are posting content constantly. Mm. Pretty, we get, we get a lot of engagements, a lot of conversation going on that way. And, and then uh, I Twitter at Lance Tyson. So. Perfect. Yeah. Well, thank you, Lance, for being a guest on my show. I really appreciate your sharing thank your you. expertise. I appreciate <laughs> so, it. I really so do. It was, it was great. So, And I want to thank the listener also for tuning in to the show today. I hope you found this topic interesting and that it answered some questions about virtual selling in the digital era. If you have any additional questions or comments, be sure to reach out to Lance at any of the links that he shared or send us a message at media at abandp.com. And would you please share this episode with those you know? I'd greatly appreciate your support. Next week's topic is, what are the top financial mistakes women business owners make? I hope you can join us for this presentation. And please remember to join us either on Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, or you can find more information about us on our website at ab and p.com and also find the podcast posted on itunes tune in stitcher iHeartRadio, and spotify until next time have a great week thank you for listening to this help for you please join your host candy messer again next tuesday have a terrific week